Hi everyone, welcome back to Film Fatales. This is a podcast where oh, we right, <laughs> discuss right. iconic performances, actors and actresses, mostly actresses. Sometimes we don't say that part, so I never know if I uh, if we're going to do the whole thing today or not. No, it's always going to be a work in progress. We don't have a tagline, so we can work on that for sure. We have enough to work on, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. It's fine. Yeah. Um. So we're on our final episode of Emma Stone, um, which is also like a, a transitional episode into our next month of the podcast. More than a month. It'll be like, no, it'll be about a month. Um, it'll be a month. Yeah. Where we're going to be looking at all of the nominees for um, Best Actress at the Oscars this year, which were announced a few days ago. Um, mm-hmm. And Emma Stone, for the film we're talking about today, is nominated. Of course, that's for Poor Things. Um, which, once again, she did with that guy whose name I can't remember, Yorgos. Yorgos Lanthimos. That is such a sickening name, honestly. Like, it's such a sickening that's name. So- Aubrey Plaza has like a, in the Spirit Awards ceremony where she hosted, she joked about your ghost Landemo sounds like a Harry Potter spell, and it's like for real. F- it it sounds like something you would like in, in like finger yourself or something. Um, it sounds like like one word, like it just it blends together <laughs> so well. Um, yes, yet I still exactly. can never remember it. So um, amazing. Yeah. So poor things. Poor things. Should we talk about the the discourse first? I think like... Well, why don't you tell people just generally what it's about? So Poor Things, it's a Frankensteinian, Frankenstein retelling of of a young gal. Her name was Victoria, but she was turned into Bella Baxter by this unorthodox scientist played by Willem Dafoe. Uh, and the story talks about her coming of age journey into adulthood, re-entering adulthood, really, through different relationships with herself, relationship with men, and across the globe. Um, but before we talk about it, could, should we talk like one minute about like Oscar noms? Because I think it warrants, because as we're entering Oscar season, I think a lot of discourse happening online about like, the the snubs like particularly the Barbie snub. If we're gonna look into, um, it, I feel like it's a it's a good preface to kind of start the conversation. Maybe. Well, I mean, sure. Do, we could also do that next episode. Like, do you want to do that now? Since this is, I don't know. It's weird because this episode is both the final Emma Stone episode and also the start of the Oscars episode. So, so I guess yeah, we can talk about it. Here's what I have to say. Um, <laughs> get it. over it. <laughs> Get over it. I think the whole... It's just ridiculous. Come on, like... The movie wasn't that great. Like, when we when we did our review, I think we're in the moment of, like, this movie is culturally relevant, but I don't think of it as, like, cinem- cinematically important. Um, it's not telling a story that, you know, is very inventive, or it feels a little bit derivative. That. Um, I don't think I agree with yeah. that. What I do you have to 
I enjoy Barbie. I think it stands up as a movie. I think it's a fun watch. And um, I think that's why it's nominated for eight Oscars. Like, that's, like, it's one of the most nominated films of the year. Like, that, like that's, like, there's such a... And also, can I just say that Greta and Margot are both nominated. They're just not nominated in the categories that people want them to be nominated in. Like, I, I'm sorry, like, I'm not quite following... I have said since our review, like people, like I keep seeing gripes about Ken was nominated over Barbie. And since <laughs> in our review, I made clear that Ryan Gosling acts circles around Margot Robbie in that film. <laughs> he is, he totally eclipses her in that movie and she's good and she's fine. And I, and I don't actually think the role of Barbie offers many places to go as an actor. Um, she didn't especially, deserve a nomination, especially the storyline with within Barbie itself, right? Like, I think the role that Ryan Gosling was playing there's a little bit more room for dramatic, for sure, development or and like physical yeah. comedy and just uh, totally. campiness. Like it, and you look at the category, and we'll we we'll go through it at some point, of course. Yes. Who would she replace? There's absolutely no one in that category where I think Margot Robbie did a better job. Totally. I agree with so, you. Yeah. Um, and then I, like I snubs are at... always. Go ahead. Go ahead. I feel like snubs are always generating more conversation than the actual nominations themselves. Right. Like it's like Drag Race, the, the first queen going home. Like, right. They generate more conversation than the second queen going home, you know, like <laughs> because right. it's kind of iconic in a way, you know, to, to start the season. So. And I look at. Like, who's nominated in best director and i i i mean i can't speak for zone of interest because i haven't seen it but who would greta gerwig replace i have no idea and why a lot of people are like this was the biggest movie of the year this was the biggest box office hit of the year that has no bearing on the oscars that has no bearing how commercially (laughs) successful your film is for the oscars and um Where's why aren't people upset that you know Celine Song wasn't nominated, and why are people say it louder? <laughs> why are people expecting <laughs> applying pressure to um, I mean Ryan Gosling? But what really is annoying me is America Ferrera. Why, when she's having this huge moment in her career as a non-white person and she now has to take time to go on social media and say Margot and Greta should have been nominated rather than like really sitting in this like huge moment for her like why are we expecting that of her because we were always thinking about the award season as as this reflection of merit and like if the film was really commercially successful then the award season should reflect that like it should reflect every facet of that look so being nominated for as many categories as possible so like snubs like this have the effect of like like and um like people just feeling really like rallying behind them um right and it just turns into a spectacle of itself so like i i i think i think this is all the whole part of the the campaign of you know this this movie barbie we'll just spend a really quick minute here like from the get go, it's it's so funded. It's backed by like a big company, of course, and and entering this 
culture and like popular culture with such force um like no one can escape from it i think the 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 thing that i find troubling is like why do we have to like why do we have to entertain these expectations like oh of course it should be nominated this way but then also taking a lot of room for other like actresses and also other directors that you know also equally contributing as much as possible right um yeah like Lily Gasso like we'll 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 talk about it in our future episodes too yeah I mean we can talk about like I mean like it is a conversation about how many female directors get nominated at the Oscars that's like a valid conversation but um it's just like it's just like it's just the whiteness of it all for me. It's just like no one. And oh, with Celine Hillary song Clinton. Is the, Celine song is the one. Celine song is the one that sticks out to me because I'm like, Past Lives was a big movie. People loved that movie, rallied behind it. It was largely ignored at the Oscars. Whatever. No one cares about Celine song not getting a nomination. Right. I think it's always the the conversation is always about like the minority, like like mainstream success and like how. Like the award season is just, it's just a reflection of that too. Like and like, like Lily Gladstone is nominated this year and will likely win. And so it's like I don't know. Like the why does the conversation have to turn so like it's like nothing can be celebrated because these two white chicks weren't nominated and that's just so annoying and it's getting really I dramatic. You, I think you just summed up white feminism for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe a segue that we're going to turn into is I think there's a lot of comparison between Barbie and Poor Things um, do you think there's like a similarity between the two stories um, before we jump into like the plot itself yeah I mean the general theme of like learning and discovering what it means to be human <laughs> is, <laughs> is in both of them which is so yeah. fucking but like very different. Anyways, um, what did you think of this film? I love it. I think I'm still in shock of seeing this. Yeah, to be honest, um, there's some parts that don't really sit with uh, sit with me personally. But we'll, we'll talk about it. What exactly parts of it? But like, I think overall it really made me uncomfortable. I think it provoked me a lot of ways, visually, thematically, sexually. Um, it it puts a lot of things forces you to like watch it and experience it and um there isn't any room for like like for rumination really there isn't a lot of thinking left to do after watching this film um which i think similarly with barbie as well um maybe there's like what do you mean there's not a lot of thinking like you see like a full cycle of like the full journey of Bella Baxter becoming her own person. Um, right. And there's almost no fault in her. Like you see her as this insulate, insular being in this world. And I I wish there's a little bit more like humanity in her, but I think that's exactly the like the point of the movie. Like she's kind of not human in a way. Uh post human, maybe. Um not to put on jargon here. But, but she learns <laughs> humanity. She learns humanity. Right. That's the whole point. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I enjoyed... I really love this movie. Um, yeah. I really love that it's set in like this... 
like I don't even know like futuristic but also Victorian world like there's like like and you get a lot of that when they go so essentially Bella is like ends up leaving Willem Dafoe who she is her like creator father she calls him god right and yes um travels around europe basically is i guess the best way to yeah say it or she can say whoring around europe right. she yeah which i think <laughs> you learned through that <laughs> <laughs> um and so especially when they're in portugal i noticed it it was very like like there were like cable cars in the sky and like it was like almost this like steampunk but not as corny like yeah. futuristic but also victorian i think retro it. and it's like this Ret- yeah it's yeah. like it's like this world where it just makes you feel like you can't place like as a viewer i couldn't really place like what time period this was taking place in and i i don't know if that was intentional but it created this effect of like as a viewer i'm also kind of like overwhelmed and uh visually disoriented with this world in the same way that the, that Bella is as she's going through it right yeah that's totally. nice wow look at me look at that analysis <laughs> um i really like the the styling of it the film is also nominated for production and, and production design and costume design which i think it's so the costumes were so sick amazing um maybe we can talk about like some key like moments in the film um and then we can kind of circle back back into emma stone's performance um yeah i mean it's very um it's like a, a what was big, your like, what was your viewing experience like like what, what did you watch did you watch it in the theater like yeah did you, it's it like a more diverse crowd like what did you catch any people's like reaction oh yes oh my god thank you for reminding me because Okay, so there's a lot of sex in this movie. And yes. <laughs> I don't know if the like there's actually like an obscene amount of sex in this movie and I don't know if the point of that is like to to comment on something. Like I don't know if that's to comment on how how like everything's about sex in the world. Is that what that point is or is it to comment on or is it just to comment on like the the like objection of women and then she like claims sex for herself like i don't fully well anyways not the point there's a lot of sex in this movie and yes um (laughs) around you know maybe like when she first gets with um, mark uh, ruffalo mark ruffalo and they're having sex all the time and it was just a lot of sex and nudity and this old couple behind me <laughs> just got up <laughs> and left. Like they walked out. They walked, they walked out? out. Like, they walked they out. Never they never came, came back. back. No. <laughs> they were not happy. Like they were true. And they looked, they looked. Shooketh. Yeah. What do you think they're thinking about? Like, were they not? I think it's, is it because like the, how frequent sex is being featured or is it just. I don't know. Or is it the nudity? Or how? Did they just not like it? I mean, there's also a lot of like gore in this movie, like not in yes. like not in like a shock kind of way, but just in a like anatomical <laughs> way. <laughs> um, so I don't know, but yeah, they walked out. They didn't like it. 
they miss they're missing out they're missing out the true like exploration i don't know because there just was more and more and more and more sex (laughs) after they left so i don't know if they would have had a good time like do you think there's too much sex like i think back to what you were saying earlier i think like for bella the character himself like the body's a main thing for her like rediscovering her body through like the early self-pleasuring like masturbation and like finding out pleasure through her own body and she was able to only find her way of being herself through that route um and then like like later on in the film like she's able to like have a more fully realized version of herself like like her her capacity as a as a as a woman and like her her role like her daughter her, her being a daughter and a wife um She's she's later able to find those parts of her, but I think the first half of the film, like so much of the emphasis is on sex. Um, I don't find it I don't find it really jarring. I feel like it's supposed to kind of shock us, and it is only through like repeating repeatedly like showing sex scenes that it kind of like forces us to really think in her perspective and like be in the journey with her in some kind of way. You know, I don't fully think I've worked through what the amount of sex was supposed to tell me. Do I think it was maybe to the point where it became a little obscene? Like, yeah, I do. I think that, um, yeah, I do. I think there was too much sex and like, I'm not approved by any means and I'm not even like bothered by seeing the sex. It just became quite repetitive, particularly it's hard to talk about this film. If you haven't, if people listening haven't seen this film because so much happens like it's truly a very like epic almost like almost like um like wizard of oz type fucking journey like it's like not you come not you comparing this with wizard of oz. <laughs> i mean yeah it's actually kind of but it narratively it actually yeah exactly she's going to um, a lot of places and she's kind of jumping furiously <laughs> with a lot of different so, people so she goes all over europe she goes to Portugal, where else do they go? Well, they're in London. They Alexandria. Go to Portugal, they go to, to Alexandria, they go to Paris. Yes. Anyways. I think that's it. By yeah. the time they get to Paris, they're like out of money. And so Bella um, becomes part of a brothel, like becomes a sex worker, essentially. Right. Which, yeah. that was the point where I was like, the amount of sex I'm seeing, like I would get what you're trying to say if you cut out maybe three of these scenes, <laughs> like, um, but I do really like, like everything about, like, it's all about her innocence and how that innocence slowly is tainted by the realities of the real world. Like when they're in, when she discovers that there are people who are unhoused or living in poverty while she lives in like these with the, has always lived a more, I guess, lavish lifestyle. Affluent right? life. Yeah. Um, so when she does the brothel, it's interesting because it's like, I feel like it's challenging the viewer to, I feel like all of this film is challenging the viewer to like discover along with her and to kind of like leave our own biases behind. Um, because the way she approaches everything, like the way she approaches everything is so just like, human nature like this makes me happy this makes me feel good so i'm gonna do it right and then 
it gets a little bit more complicated when she discovers empathy and doesn't want to hurt other people but it always like her becoming a sex worker it's not this like moral dilemma for her it's like this sex makes me happy money makes me happy (laughs) (laughs) Why, why not do both at once like it's very just like logic logic and emotion driven Totally. So. She, I think she, she, she was like telling um, Mark Ruffalo at one point, like, I'm, like, I'm, bec- I'm the means of production. Like, I think that was like the point where I hear a lot For of real. gas in the theater. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> okay, so, so she knows what the fuck is up now. Um, I think, like, I, I think the choice of her, and also the movie itself, like using a lot of sex, it's kind of like not the only way of telling the story, but also, but just because like, you know, she is not herself. She's her child really. Like I think to ground the story in that approach. And like, if we can only, if we can look at a movie in terms of the body and not sex, I think that's more of a broader and like more generative way of looking at a movie. Like there's a lot of like reviews talking about like, Oh, like this movie, it's, kind of misogynist or um really it's yeah like people think that it was a little too like uh like again like white feminists and like talking about like especially the like the film like kind of imposing bella against a lot of like men who are like emotionally incapable and also really damaging and toxic like um and her kind of this her being is almost like an antidote to all of those troubles that those men have um at first glance it like that those kind of critiques sounds a little bit reductive but i think like i think she really like transcends what it means to be a person and like tells us a lot about like how do we be ourselves in like the modern age with a certain kind of childish naivete or curiosity or passion for for discovery Um, right Yeah, I, I I don't know how to feel about this film yet just now, just because the film obviously touches upon a lot of stuff, but um, it it almost feels it almost feels like there's nothing left to read into. Do you like? I do, feel like feel this it? film. I feel like positioning this film next to Barbie, like you did, is effective in showing me how. Um, how flat Barbie's exploration of feminism really was. Like, I think that this film, I don't find it misogynistic. I think that's a crazy critique. Um, this film, I think, is a much more real and messy and... Um, genuine exploration of what it means to be like a human and more specifically a woman in the world like you see her go through every stage of that of like of like um she's objectified constantly from her creation she's objectified like willem defoe like she's someone always is like claiming her as theirs right and so yeah then the paternal figure and there's always like she like never 
I don't know if it's a lack of like or just like her emotional capacity at those moments but she never lets that stop her really from doing anything and she um I don't think fully gets until we get the ending with um the husband like the I don't know it's so yeah. hard to explain <laughs> she was a person who was pregnant and killed herself and Willem Dafoe took that baby's brain and put it in her head right so the person who <laughs> yes. killed themselves the person who killed themselves had a husband so he shows up and when she's back with him that's when I think it's like that's like once again someone trying to own her and this time it's more extreme I think than anyone so far and she learns has learned um how to resist that and how to fight against that and like then at the end of the film she's this fucking bad bitch becoming a doctor like <laughs> like doing <laughs> like doing the thing so i don't know i think that this movie is just really more much more dynamic in its exploration of of um womanhood than barbie woman rights no that's not a hot take i think that's that's valid and i think i agree with you but you're also tuning into two podcasts for two two pals and gals to to men <laughs> talking about <laughs> so um you might not be tuning into the right resource for that <laughs> That's um fair. yeah i agree with you with, with with your um what you thought about like barbie um but i mean like the the two movies obviously touch on very similar themes but i think the way that it 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 needs so poor thing is based on like a like a novel adaptation so there's a little bit of like that sticking with the original but then even with like a barbie where we imagine like to be this really inventive story like i think the burden of barbie was because of the name and like the brand attached there is a lot of there's a lot more pandering for for mainstream audience um i think us having watched like your animals like we kind of know what is style and kind of treatment and what like how far is he gonna go for it right like i think this Poor Things is definitely one of like the more like out there, outlandish films that I've seen in yeah. in a while. Um, so original, it's like really, really original, and I'm I'm totally I'm interested. I'm really excited by the fact that I think there's a lot of films that are are going to come out that are. I think two things are going to happen. <laughs> I think a lot of films are going to come out that are super original. And I think that we're reaching a point where film is like expanding its boundaries. And then at the same time, I think with the success of a film like this or everything everywhere, there's going to be a lot of films that are trying to be like trying to be weird to be original, like without any substance. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that, <laughs> But I'm excited for the the former of that. Um, yeah. Because it's like these movies that are taking really intricate human experiences and and really um, not like exaggerating them, but kind of like really just like building this whole this whole epic storyline around very simple human experiences, and that's cool. Yeah. There, I think. 
I'm I'm excited to like I'm I'm worried about like as we're stepping into Oscars season, there's a lot more nominations for biopics. I think that warrants another like conversation about like like not per se the future of film, maybe, but then what is gonna get done in like we'll be talking about a biopic this month. <laughs> um I'm not excited for this. Um, okay. Um, I am excited. <laughs> okay, so enough about the film, whatever. Let's discuss Emma Stone. Uh, it's our final time with her. <laughs> so what, what did, what it, did we think? This is her last film that she's going to make. <laughs> <laughs> what did we think? I think she was really good. I think she's pretty, pretty good. Um, as I was saying, I think this is still sitting in my brain a little bit. Um, I think she did what she had to do. She did what needed to be done. Kind of, um, I and I don't see any room for like pushing it further. Um, she writes a line like I think this film particularly she really showcased more the dramatic side of her. Um, and this film I think kind of sits between a little bit of a comedy but a lot more dramatic building, especially if we look into like the early hour of the film um, where she's kind of post-verbal and then slowly building towards like the fully realized version of herself so um it's not an easy thing to act i I imagined right yeah she was incredible (laughs) (laughs) she was incredible in this movie this is the best she's ever acted in any film she's ever done this is going to be the peak of her career (laughs) it's all downhill from here bitch it's all downhill from here sorry um the slander she's perfect in this movie (laughs) (laughs) we have not used any of your sounds we haven't used any of your soundboard can you do you know who this is it's Heidi in closet that's Heidi in closet how dare you calling her the the, her career best this movie but i actually wouldn't be surprised if this is actually her career. No. listen maybe um, she'll do better things i'm saying i think I, I i am standing you know 10 toes down on the fact that this is the best film the best acting she's done in her career so far she like every yes. movement and like the difficulty of playing a character like this i can't even like I mean, I'm not an actor. I can't even fathom it. Like, to have to strip yourself of every sort of, like, every sort of, again, bias or understanding of how to navigate the world that you have just as a human. And you can't, it's not even a, the job isn't even uh, to now think of how this character would have their own ways of navigating the world. You are becoming a character who has no ways of navigating the world, who has absolutely no understanding of how anything in the world works like at the beginning of the film and to be able to to do like i can't even comprehend how you play this character like it's really wild everything from the physicality of it like the walking and the inability to speak to the like discovering what masturbation is it's just like everything is so um just like masterfully done i think this was incredible um i wonder what kind of research she has to go through for this um, like to play to add on to your point, like I think having a child's brain, but having a a a woman's body, I think that adds another physical difficulty about playing this part because you have to like you're almost like 
like a four-year-old moving a couch. It's 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 you you have to play a little like inconvenient, but you can't really like make it into like a spectacle. Like she 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 kind of does a lot of that. I think we kind of need to give her more credit for that because I don't think um I don't think it's easily done for sure. Um again we're not actors so we wouldn't know. Um and also a lot of like the lines I think this is this film particularly is very different from the three films that we've watched where like verbally there's a lot more challenging dialogues and a lot more room for her to play around. Um Right. Uh, like we look at the favorite, like she's this proper lady, like also British has a British accent, right? Um, it's more like like the the films that she was acting that we um have discussed before. Like she's more coherent. She's more um, you know, like like the smart, snotty, and like sassy character. But this film kind of really is in a different kind of area and like wheelhouse. Um, I'm not surprised For that real. she's able to. I'm not surprised that she's able to kind of knock this out of the park. Um, um, maybe it's also the fact that, you know, hit her having worked with Yorgos before, I think this is kind of like this burgeoning like partnership between the two. And I think that yeah, maybe contributed a lot of success for that. Um, yeah. yeah. I think playing this role would require a large sense of trust. And I, I watched some of the uh, roundtable like actresses roundtable that variety does every year and she's on it and she said that all she did to prepare for months before was her and yorgos one-on-one would meet and like workshop do like she didn't really go into detail but she said do like really stupid activities like really (laughs) stupid sort of like literally like months of theater games basically and to prepare um for the physicality of the role. I think that there's also very clearly a lot of trust between them, which she also said in the round table that to play this role, like she tried so many things during filming. And so it had to be done with someone, a director who she trusted to, to, to choose like the best take for the point of the film. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. she said, there's nothing worse than like really going for it and doing some, trying something and uh it not going well and then not knowing if the director is going to like use that cut right so i think there's just a, a large sense of trust between them yeah so yeah let me just I, take a look at i wouldn't Sorry, be mad i would not be mad if and i've seen most of the films we're discussing this month i would not be mad if she took home the oscar for this but this would be her second oscar win it would and and um (laughs) it should probably be her first but (laughs) but, the slander but um this was just so incredible i'm sorry i i yeah this is yeah this this feels definitely like do you think this movie will be like a classic as we kind of move forward and like if in the future decades if this is going to be like most rewatched or is it going to make make it to a lot of different people's top fours i don't know i don't know i think i don't know about the film overall uh i think that um that her performance will be remembered that's a big statement i kind of disagree with you (laughs) 
No, I, I think, think we've, we've I think we've yet to see a lot of like change. I think like even with this character, I, I think it's still pretty much in the same sphere that we have seen Emma Stone in. But because of how bizarre the film is, I think it really pushes her and forces her to take new directions. I think this movie kind of marks a new chapter for her career as a dramatic actress. Um, so I, I do foresee her. This, a, a, this is a comedy through and through. This is a funny movie. I disagree. I think this is more dramatic and like coming of age. A lot of like actually the film it is, is a coming of age, me. but it's definitely a coming of age comedy. It's funny. Almost not, everything not her, Bella not, says is funny. Not her being funny. I think it's the men's reaction or like how the men are being perceived by her. I think that's more funny sometimes. Um, right. I kind of look it into her character with some kind of jealousy because, like, I I, I kind of love to feel theater, theater, <laughs> feeling like little inspired but devastated because, like, how can I look at the world in such a way? Um, mm-hmm. How can we like be be her? Like, I don't know what her means anymore. Like, is it is it like naivety, naivete? Or no, it, it starts like that curiosity? way. Curiosity. It starts or... as it, I think it starts as curiosity, and then she becomes naive, and then she becomes disillusioned, and um, like it all culminates. Like it truly is trying to fit like a lifetime of experiences into her one journey around Europe, right? And right. but she, she but she never fades away from like her openness. She never loses for... herself. Literally, her openness. She never loses like the openness to new people to new experiences despite learning that the world is such a fucked up place i love her and i want (laughs) i want to be her friend i want to join her little her little commune that she makes at the end of the film (laughs) um any if i are we do have more thoughts about this film i think we have We've no, touched a lot about the film, but then I think I'm curious to see what other people think as well. Um, I think as 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 the Oscar, as we're stepping into like the Oscar season, I think there'll be a lot more discussion about how the film has achieved. And um, I think right now, like from what I've heard so far, I think this film kind of sits not at the center stage of it, but like a little bit left of it. Um, I think people have a certain kind of like association with with her performance and also it doesn't really hit right in the, you know the she's actress. the favorite to win the award right i don't really yeah i think really glad talking was if you're talking critics perspectives who the predictions are it's mostly her and then very 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 closely behind is lily godson interesting do you think that's true do you think do yes you agree? Oh, actually, sorry. If of the ones I've seen that we'll talk about this month, um, I actually don't think Emma Stone or Lily Gladstone were my favorite. Cliffhanger. So we'll we'll talk about what your top pick is. We'll talk about it. (laughs) We'll talk about another time. Um, I think that this movie that. Just as is like a really perfect film to end Emma Stone on, just not just because obviously it's her most recent project, but I said last week that when La La Land came, like I was an Emma Stone stan after Easy A, like really 
nostalgic film for me, right? And then I started to fade on her around La La Land. I started to get bored. And then the favorite, I was back. And like now, like I'm back back. <laughs> like after this movie, I'm back, so back on the fucking Emma Stone train. Um, I think she's sickening. And I think that all the movies we've watched are actually so complimentary to one another. And to culminate in this final one, which feels like a mixture of all of her strengths um but then pushing beyond anything she's ever done i just think it's such a perfect ending and i love her yeah. and if she hears this she should give me a call <laughs> <laughs> uh i i'm i'm excited to see like if there's like a third collaboration with her and, and your ghost um i i'm curious to see what they're going to do in the third one as well. i'm sure there will be and also lest we forget that emma stone has no acting training like she's a self-taught actor good for her that's sickening good for her she also was a one of the three main producers on this film i don't know if she's produced anything before there's a there's a few there's a few performances that we didn't really capture in this month um i'm just gonna name some of them uh the help (laughs) Yes. Okay, but the reason Spider-Man. we didn't focus on the reason we didn't focus on the help is because if we ever do an absolutely sickening month on Octavia Spencer, I'm gonna want to talk about We're the help. That the help. you know what I mean. You just ate my shit, Minnie. <laughs> that should be a soundbite. <laughs> it should be on your soundboard. You just ate my shit. <laughs> um, also, the Amazing Spider Man, uh, which I don't think we, I don't think that never was ever in our minds to to do that. No. Right? It was not. Yeah, no. Um, it was also we also passed uh, Birdman because she was she. I don't think she has a lot of screen time and a big role in that movie. Um, and then the next one was like like the obvious City of Stars. Uh, no, um, La La Land. Sorry, um, we also skipped Zombieland. I think again, like a lot of comedy. Oh my god, I loved Zombieland when I was a kid too. That would have been a great nostalgic one for me too. <laughs> yeah um so i think like oh like in reviewing her career like she definitely has a lot more like comedy comedy in right. her career um but like i was saying like i think poor things is kind of the first i i can sense like a sort of like dramatic shift like a shift in like in the in in her career in terms of the tone that she can develop um in her future work. I mean, she's I don't think you give Emma Stone enough credit. And I'm going to say that for the record. I don't think you are giving Emma Stone her flowers enough for I how think dynamic so. I can agree of an with actor you. Yeah. she already <laughs> is. And she has nothing to prove to you or anyone else. And she straddles comedy and drama very well. Why is there no, like, comedy category for, for the, like, Oscars? It's all I just get, nominated. Like, in, it's all just nominated in the same. I think it's so it, it kind of war it warrants its own category, but I think us not knowing That's what the Golden too Globes much are about, for like history. There we go. Um, also, this was marketed as a comedy at the Golden Globes, and she's nominated. So, also, the Holdovers is a comedy, and that's nominated. That's not a comedy. It's what it's marketed as, but like it's so binary to say comedy or drama. Like it's so like limiting to put them in those boxes. Like I don't know what. Like, 
yeah, I don't know. It's, I just don't find it helpful or generative to say this is a comedy, this is a drama, really. That's Which fair. is probably why they don't have those separate categories. Right. Also, just for the record, this is her first producing credit as a member of the Producers Guild of America. <laughs> work. So, work, bitch. Get the, get the, get the bag, babe. She also um, said in that roundtable that she has no interest in directing anything ever. Good. Like, no interest in getting into directing. That's probably a good thing. Which interested me. Because I feel George like Clooney a lot, I feel like it's almost, ass. I feel like it's almost expected when you reach a certain success as an actor to want to then direct. Yeah. A lot of actors directing are often flops, so. Right. Um, yeah. George Clooney, for example. Sorry. Well, um, <laughs> that's our Emma Stone month, everyone. Well, th- Thanks thanks for tuning in. I do love you, my do girl. Do you have a good time, honey? <laughs> I had a fabulous time. I love Emma Stone. I'm glad we did this. I am just back in love with her after this exploration of these films. I forgot how much, how incredible I think she is. So, I... Silent. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I, I agree, but I think there's too many... We've reviewed a lot of like white ladies, right? In our no, we have only done a few months. Girl, we're on our. We did Scream Queens, which was yes, mm. entirely white. <laughs> <laughs> but but we also did um, like if you're looking at months we dedicated to just actors, isn't this our only our second white lady? We've done uh, Angela Bassett. We've done Michelle Third, Yeoh. No, second white lady. Margot and Emma. Oh, maybe. I think it's a deserve if we do if that we have done Margot and Emma so so closely. (laughs) I think it kind of just just (laughs) not me slandering, not me slandering the two of them being look alike, but (laughs) um, yeah. But it just worked out that way, and it like led into for one. I really wanted to talk about poor things, right? Like I want to like pull back the curtain. I want this podcast to talk about films that are also like I want to balance between films that are uh, historically impactful and films that are like being talked about right now. And poor things when we is being talked about, and it leads it just like leads right into the Oscars thing we wanted to do. Blah blah blah. So Amazing. apologies to anyone if you're getting bored with the white ladies. We'll mix it up after awards season. <laughs> We'll mix it up after, not during the award season, because it's already it's a pretty white. No, it's not a it's not a white it's nomination. A, yes, but, there's only one non-white lady in the category. Hey, so. that's Oscars for you, honey. Right. <laughs> um. So, uh, do you have anything to say about Emma Stone, or should I list? I'll list off our plan for the month, like what. Yeah, let's let's what do it. About. Let's let our listeners know what we're reviewing next. So. Next week, we're going to talk about... What are we talking about? <laughs> oh my god, Jeff, that's really fucking loud. What what other sounds do you have? I have tapping. Is there any way to turn the audio down on the soundboard? Yes, I can. It's blowing out my eardrum. Goodbye! Do you want to tell our listeners what we're Okay, next week we're talking about Zandra Huller, 
in anatomy of a fall. And then, and you have to say it the proper German way, Jeff. Um, yeah, good enough. Um, okay. And then we're talking about, we haven't decided yet, but in the category, we're talking about Annette Benning. What was that movie called again? Nyad. Nyad. Yeah. Lily Gladstone and Killers of the Flower Moon. And then the one Jeff's most excited for is Carrie Mulligan in Maestro. Jesus Christ. Because that <laughs> rounds out the nominees for Best Actress this year. And then it will... When are the Oscars? March. March 10th. 10th. So it'll really round out, you know, it'll round out around the right time. Amazing. It's almost like we so planned it this way. Yeah, it's almost perfect. Um, so listeners, if you're interested to join us, our, our weekly watch um stick around and find out <laughs> um, and follow our, our reviewing journey and, and let us know if you if you agree on um, some of our reviews and, and, and whatever hot takes that we have. What did you um, give you also four follow things us. on Letterboxd? What did you give four things on Letterboxd? I, I gave it a four and a half, I believe. Or a four, I believe. I give it a four and a half. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so make yes. sure you follow so like us Jeff said, on Film Fatales Pod on Instagram. That's Film Fatales Pod on Instagram. (laughs) And leave us a five star Um, review, please. Exactly. And thank you. On our socials, you'll see a lot of memes, a lot of reels, um, stuff like this. So I'm excited. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Whore. Clap, 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 clap. Clap. not to change the subject but i just was like looking down at it like it was my newborn child and i was like this is a statue of a naked man <laughs> <It's> very creepy <laughs> staring at it so hopefully i'll look at a newborn child differently